Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Jerome's to my right. Uh, and this is stuff you should know. There's probably some people going, did they replace Jerry? With some Jerome? guy named Jerome. Yeah, no. That's just the nickname we have for Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, a it's an arcane reference to the librarian at the beginning of Ghostbusters whose uncle thought he was St. Jerome. Remember? Uh, really? That's uh, what I've always been referencing. <laughs> I thought we were on the same page about it. Uh, we also call her Jer's. That's a reference to nothing. Yeah. Right, Jerry? Right. <laughs> That's a, that was a great Jerry, Chuck. <laughs> um, Chuck. Yes. Have you ever been on the Internet of Things? <laughs> well, you can't really be on the Internet of Things. I don't understand. Explain. Well, the Internet of Things, my friend, is a, really just a collection of interconnected devices yeah. to make your life uh, simpler and more, uh, and less private. <laughs> Pretty much. And fraught with potential complications. Yeah. But more convenient. Allegedly. There's a lot of people who also say, this is all just a bunch of navel gazing in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, like, do we really need these apps? I, I ran across a, a vape for smoking weed, as they call it, that has an app. Uh, it's a, a, a vaping system for smoking. It's just a, a little pipe. Marijuana. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's just a little pipe. Yeah. And, um, it has a, 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 an app that goes with it that remotely controls it, the heat settings and stuff. Oh, uh, does it like track things? Like you've smoked you no. know, one ounce of weed this month. No, which would be pretty intriguing, I guess. That pretty would be useless. A, a, yeah. That, <laughs> and that's the point. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that you can point to and say, this is pretty neat. This thing feeds my cat while I spend 23 hours a day at work. Yeah, that's neat. It's nice that I can keep this cat alive that I have no connection with any longer because I'm at work all the time, but this machine feeds it because I can control it remotely with an app. Right, but if you have something tracking how much weed you smoke, you're either smoking far too much or not nearly enough. Or you have too much money <laughs> is another way to put it, too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know what? My friend Clay... I don't know if you've met Clay, but he told me something that the way as far as being concerned about security and privacy rights and things is what they do is they sell it to you first as a convenience. Yeah. And then before you know it, you know, dot, dot, dot. Clay Clay never finished the sentence. He did. But you know, I don't remember exactly how he finished it. Clay said this in like 1993. Oh, yeah. I think I'd like Clay. Like way before, like he was probably just talking about, geez, I don't even know, like a credit card or something. Right. And and he was just like, just beware, man. He was like, they sell it to you as a convenience. Before you know it, everyone is doing it that way. Yeah. And it's fraught with complications is was essentially what he was saying. Yeah, I, I think that's very prescient because that's exactly the point that we're at right now yeah and we'll talk a little more well a lot more i'm sure about security and privacy and all that stuff but ultimately it's like you said the internet of things is this 
a lot of other people call it the internet. Like this is just the next wave of the internet. This is where the internet's going. But the, I guess the best description of it is it's a series of interconnected, um, machines. Yeah, devices. That sense the environment in a lot of cases, um, can carry out some sort of function. Usually it is a sensing function and, um, can communicate with central servers, usually in the cloud, yeah. via the Internet. It's about as simple as that. Like, that's the Internet of Things. Yeah, like if you think, boy, this all sounds weird, and I, I don't use stuff like that. If you have anything that has the word smart in front of it, yeah. then you're probably using the Internet of Things already. Right. If you've got a smartphone that oh, connects yeah. to a to a smart thermostat or a smart smoke detector, or if you wear a, a exercise tracker mm-hmm. this that's the internet of things right exactly and, and the there's a lot of obvious um, steps that are right there on the horizon coming after this is like the idea that um your refrigerator yeah. will be able to be like oh these guys are almost out of cashew milk yeah i'll contact amazon and have it delivered in two hours yeah and you're like i don't drink cashew milk anymore you fridge stupid fridge how many times do i have to <laughs> abuse you but that's pretty neat I mean, I think a lot of this, it's uh, its both good and a little creepy. Like, that'd be cool if I showed up at home one day and I was out of milk and it was waiting on my doorstep. I... Of a milk you wouldn't want waiting on your doorstep. Oh, well, cashew milk, it doesn't matter. Oh, you don't have to refrigerate it? No way. Because it's, it's not milk, it's cashew juice. Yes, it is. That's what they should call it. Um, the... I don't disagree with you, right? Like, I, I'm sure it is pretty neat. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And in five years, it'll be totally second nature to us, right? right. But the, in my experience, the more mechanized, the more automated, uh-huh. the more convenient, and I just made air quotes, yeah. life gets, the, the more difficult it is to keep up with, the less simple it is, and the more horrific it is when something breaks down. Interesting. So in, within simplification, you think it becomes more complicated. Yeah, because you you rely on machines that can break, and when they break, you're like, oh, I forgot how to order cashew milk. Where do you get that stuff? So you think we're headed for idiocracy? Uh, to an extent. But I think it's more it's more than that. In the short term, I think it's just that it, it's, it's so much easier to walk to a grocery store and buy cashew milk and walk back home than it is to... Um, ensure that your fridge has all of the uh, up- updated firmware and make sure that it's it's ordering correctly from Amazon and to make sure Amazon gets there. And you're just relying on all these other components rather than your own two feet and the, the idea that the people at the store are going to have your cashew milk. I see that in a way, but I also disagree in a way. Like, like, for instance, I have, I have a few things in my life that I've set to auto order, like air filters, uh, baby formula, yeah, stuff that uh, water my fridge water filter, mm-hmm. like this stuff gets shipped to me automatically, and it's wonderful because I don't have to think about it at all. So does your fridge order itself, or you just put well, it no. on a, a, a timer on like Amazon? Yeah, it's on a timer t- to these, you know, not even Amazon, like you know the fridge filter company. I gotcha. You can just set it to auto deliver like every sixty days. Okay. So it's nice because I don't have to think about it. The only thing's missing is the camera or the device itself being hooked up mm-hmm. telling the company hey my air filter is over right. or uh, you know spent um which would be pretty awesome to tell you the truth if yeah. if your air filter could be like it's actually we're at 90% we need to go ahead and and order however you know what that's a little i never really thought about that being a little dicey because you know you need a new water filter trust me right like really but what if you could get another month out of this one that you're throwing away and you're ordering early, then they can sell another two a year to you. Right, exactly. You that's, that's what I assume like when you're they're trusting them. Like when they're like, you have to change your oil every three thousand miles, or or yeah, you need to change your water filter every three months. You're like, I never change my oil. Yeah, forget that. That's for chumps. <laughs> that's a scam. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. So that's a little personal overview. Uh, the phrase "Internet of Things" is uh, actually coined. Uh, they think in the late 90s by a guy named Kevin Ashton, who worked for P&G. Oh, I'll bet he has a t-shirt that says, I coined the term <laughs> Internet of Things. Well, just so he can invite people to punch him in the face <laughs> or give him a hug, Yeah, depending on who you are. Okay. Uh, he worked for Procter & Gamble, and he had a presentation uh, there at work where he said, you know what we should do? We should put um, radio frequency ID tags, RFIDs on lipstick mm-hmm. in the store 
So, and have that hooked up to a machine where we could automatically send that information and say, hey, this store is running low on lipstick, get a shipment over there. Yeah. And he coined the term Internet of Things, supposedly in that meeting. And ap- apparently, though, at this time, b- prior to that, the 90s were a big time for something called uh, ubiquitous computing. Yeah. Which is the basically the predecessor to the idea of the Internet of Things, where like computers would just be integrated into our lives right. totally and completely. Um, and the Internet of Things is in that vein a little similarly, but from stuff I've read, there's a lot of people who are like, didn't quite fill, uh, fulfill the promise of ubiquitous computing. This is just kind of like life's slightly more convenient now thanks to this. But yeah. that, that his original idea, Kevin Ashton's, makes total and complete sense. You know, like the you could how many sales do you miss when your lipstick thing is empty until you get you find out it's empty and then get to refill it? Yeah. Like if your lipstick, the last one can be like, hey, I'm the last one here. You guys better send some replacements. Right. Uh, it's great. That makes perfect total sense. And that was ultimately the original basis of the Internet of Things. It's taking um, dumb things yeah. and making them, like you said, smart by giving them the ability to sense their surroundings and communicate that data to uh, a central server where that's analyzed and then the proper people are alerted. Yeah. And here's the thing that I also never considered is they must have discovered that there was a need for that. And the only need I can imagine would be that the employees were so bad at realizing that they were running out of stock that they would go several days without having lipstick on hand. Right. So they were like, these people can't even do that. Well, what if the, what <laughs> so if this, let's automate though, it. Let's say that you have uh, a person whose job it is to restock lipstick, right? And they go one week and there's like five million tubes of orange. So much orange, they just take some, a handful and throw Throw it away, just because they don't want their bosses to feel bad about the orange lipstick that's not being sold. Tubes of orange. Come back, right? Yes. The next week, and it's all gone. It's yeah. sold out. And then it's erratic like that. You've got a, an employee you're sending there um, that that's just hit or miss, whether you just wasted a bunch of gas in the employee's time, rather than right. being alerted, like, now you guys can come right. before it's too late. Sure. That's the thing that makes the most sense to me. Kevin Ashton. Genius. <laughs> Maybe so. I meant to look him up, see what he was doing these days. If he was just a, wearing that T-shirt, or he might be a professional uh, term coiner. <laughs> you know, He's the just other like, ones haven't worked out quite as well. Just sit back and uh, fishnet of the future. Yeah, that that yeah. was that kind of caught on a little bit early yeah. in the two thousands. Yeah, but then it just yeah, yeah, it went the way of the dodo, which was coined by Kevin his great great grandfather, o- older yeah. brother. I was gonna. <laughs> oh, say. was it? Yeah. Tommy that's, Ashton. That's been around for a while. <laughs> Since the dodo. Um, Since the dodo died. All right. So let's talk about a little bit. What, you, what you've got essentially is a, is a step-by-step system that many times starts with a smartphone mm-hmm. that's connected to the Internet. Uh, then you have other pieces of hardware in your home that are also connected to the Internet. And there is most likely an app for that hardware on your smartphone. Right. And then that's usually sent out. To the cloud. It's not some guy or some lady sitting in a room. <laughs> in, lo- your, in your guest room. Yeah, looking at your data. It's, you, it's you to the cloud. You took 8,000 steps today. <laughs> Just following behind you counting. <laughs> oh, I lost count. No, they're looking at the data from your wearable. Yeah. But so, they're just in your guest room. That'd be kind of neat. I don't know. No? I, I mean, it depends on whether they like get along with you or Todd, if they, if they drink all your cashew milk. <laughs> Well, Todd drinks all the cashew milk, so that's why Todd's not wanted. He's being counterproductive. Uh, so then it usually goes to the cloud, uh, which is where we send our data these days, well, where it's analyzed. And that's a big that's a big part of the Internet of Things too, Chuck, is the cloud because oh, yeah. that means that you don't have to analyze the data in the little machine in the little sensor. All it has to do is sense stuff and create that data and then send it to the cloud, where you're basically uh-huh. outsourcing all the analysis that takes a lot more computing power. Yeah. So that was a big development that there's such a thing as the cloud now. Yeah, that's it kind of puts the smart into it all. Yeah. Um and if you're wondering how big it is right now, it depends on who you ask, but some say between fifteen and twenty five billion devices already that are connected and uh some people say by 2020 or 2025, it could be anywhere from 50 billion to a trillion devices connected, depending <laughs> on 
how much it catches on, you know, how every day it becomes. Yeah. But it's headed that way for sure. I don't think there's any going back from this. No, there's I no think going they're back. going to stick a some sort of um, computing hardware that taps into the Internet on everything. Yeah. Everything. Okay? Yeah. Right. And and it doesn't necessarily have to be a uh, smart thermostat. Like, they have devices now that you can tag to everyday items yeah. to keep up with things. Yeah. Or let's say uh, cameras that, uh, let's say you have a security system at your house that you can view from your smartphone from anywhere in the world. Yeah. And maybe it automatically calls the police. That's the Internet of Things. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great applications for it. And again, like this is just, we're in the, the nascent period of, of this. Like the stuff yeah. that's like, wow, holy cow. My, I have a smart doorbell. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome and it works really well. But, but there's, you can't, you basically can't apply your imagination to predict what's even going to be 15 years into the future as far as the Internet of Things goes. Like just the, the change in, uh, how we deal and interact with the internet and our surroundings is, it's, it's inestimable. Yeah. Who wrote this one? Was this Strickland? No, this was, uh, Bernadette Johnson. Well, she wrote a line in here that I'm just going to read because it really kind of hit home for me. She said, we've essentially given common physical objects both computing power and senses. Yeah. And that explains it to a T. Yeah, she did a good job with this. It was a, a lot of information. Like you could do anything, you could make anything smart that you wanted. You could have a smart can opener, smart tube of lipstick. Yeah, exactly. Or a smart tube of toothpaste. Yeah, that you know when you're squeezing the end and you're, uh, how do you get all the toothpaste out? What's your method? Oh, you know they make a little um, remover. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, you got a you got a machine. No, oh, oh yeah, I have a smart toothpaste remover. <laughs> it's like a little. It looks like a. Remember those candy lips, the wax lips. Yeah, sure. It looks like those, but it's I plastic. Have some in my pocket right now. Okay, so pull those out. Yeah. Um, if you had a, a like a slit in the lips, you put the tube of toothpaste in the like the end of it in there, and you just kind of tilt it at an angle a little bit, and it puts pressure, and you just slide it along, and it pushes it to the to the front. Yeah. Huh. I use my toothbrush to do the same thing. How? Oh, you slide the toothpaste along the... I just set the, the... the toothpaste tube on the sink and just, you know, use it as a uh, uh, flattener? Squeezer? Squeezer. Yeah. That's a good one. Interesting. Yeah, I never realized you just hacked your toothbrush. <laughs> what do you... Uh, what do you pay for something like what you got, like a dollar? I mean, is it like Something a little... like that, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Nothing, nothing too much. Well, boy, I guess I got away with it. See, now, if... If I... If there was some sort of computing chip on this thing uh-huh. that calculated how much toothpaste was left and right. sent that information to my app, that would be a smart toothpaste squeezer. Right. That's it. Or you come home and open the mailbox and there's new toothpaste. Yeah. And you're like, I didn't even know I was out because I haven't been using my my lippy device. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I forgot to brush my teeth for three weeks. Let's take a break. Yeah, it's getting a little silly. Yeah, and you go brush your teeth, and uh, we'll meet back in here And uh, how long does it take you to brush your teeth? Like seven, eight seconds. Great. We'll be back here in eight seconds. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode... Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. 
That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! By the way, seven or eight seconds is not nearly enough time. Aren't you sp- No, that's washing your hands. You're supposed to do the alphabet twice for brushing your teeth either for washing your hands or brushing your teeth you know i think you're supposed to do like three minutes for brushing your teeth i've got the uh we won't name check here in buzz market but i've got a mechanical toothbrush (laughs) mechanical and it um electric toothbrush and you know it has it beeps Uh uh-huh and you divide your mouth up into four zones. Oh yeah, I think I have the same one. Top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right, and it just beeps and mine doesn't move beep. Zones. It like vibrates. Oh, really? Uh-huh. It's already vibrating though. How can you tell the difference? It changes its vibration. Really? Yeah. How oh, weird. I guess maybe it's a pause in the vibration. Now that I think about it, I just assumed huh. it was a vibration. Yeah. Same deal though. Yeah, and they again, they're smart toothbrushes that can keep up with how much you brush your teeth and that kind of stuff. Are they really? Yeah. Huh. They're Wi-Fi connected toothbrushes that connect to an app. You know, my brother-in-law, the uh, Marine Corps general, mm-hmm. um, he, I used to laugh at him because I was in his bathroom once and opened the drawer and he had a log of his razor and shaving log. Wow. And like how many times he'd use the razor. Yeah. And it's basically pre-smart Internet of Things smart razor. Right. Because I'm sure they have those now. To, to alert you, like when you should change your uh, your razor blades. I haven't heard of that one, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was. Such I just thing. thought it was very funny. I mean, it said a lot about who he was. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and no surprise that he's a Marine Corps general if he's keeping yeah. up with stuff like that. I can I can see him like um, I met him. He's a great guy. Yeah, just sitting at the edge of the bed right before bedtime, uh-huh. petting his cat fifty times, no more, no less, and then putting it in the footlocker at the end of the bed for the night and like tucking himself in. Yeah. He's the one that turned me on uh, to peeing sitting down, too. So I oh, yeah? A great debt to him. Nice. Hats off. Is he coming to our DC show again? Uh, no, man. They're transferred over uh, overseas for the first time ever. Are they coming to our UK shows? No, not that overseas. I'm not Are allowed they to in say the Azores? <laughs> I'm not allowed to say where he's going. Okay. That's cool. I'm yeah. with you. Top secret, huh? Well, I can tell you off the air. See those blinks? Yeah. That says, I see what you're saying. It probably doesn't matter. I'm just respecting his privacy. That's cool. By telling everyone that he taught me to pee sitting down. <laughs> uh, Man, you really are starting that national combo, aren't you? I just think it's important, you know. <laughs> we need to be talking about it. No mistakes is the motto, the tagline. Yeah. Yep. No no drips, no runs, no errors. Nice. Um, did we just take a break and we came back with this garbage? Yeah. Maybe we should start over again. No. We're all right. We'll leave um, that up to Jerry. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, the tech. How about that? Yeah. Telemetry. Nothing new. No. Apparently, this says, and again, the whole the whole basis of the Internet of Things is what's called machine to machine communication. Yeah, M to M. Right. You have like your smart lipstick just sitting there sensing that it's the last tube. Uh-huh. It can sense all day long, and it's still a dumb stick of lip- lipstick. Yeah, it doesn't unless, have a mouth. It can't tell you. Right. Unless it can communicate that data to the people who need to know that stuff. Right. And they do that through machine-to-machine communication. And like you're saying, telemetry was the original version of that, which apparently dates back to 1912. Yeah, it uh, comes from the Greek. Um, tele means remote, and uh, met- metron means measure. And that's where it co- you're basically in a remote area. You would measure something oh, okay. and then send that uh, via, back then, telephone line. Right. Like an Arctic station or uh, something set up to watch animals like deep in the jungle or something. <laughs> it's like there's a wildebeest. Oh, my God. There's a wildebeest. Yeah. That was early telemetry. Exactly. And that's essentially just an extension of what we're doing now. 
Yeah. Or it, now it's an extension of from then. Well, you know we've, we've built upon that. I mean, think like the first dial-up stuff that was, I would guess, probably telemetry. You know, the series of like the and, the, uh, yeah. and all that. Uh-huh. I mean, you're sending signals from one machine to another saying, let me online. Yeah. What's your problem? Yeah. Why are you so slow? Uh, and what's allowed the Internet of Things to take root, um, very simply, it gets more complicated, but... Uh, the invention of the World Wide Web by Mr. Tim Berners-Lee in 1991. Hats off, man. Uh, then the ubiquitousness, is that a word? Mm-hmm. Ubiquity? Ubiquitousness. Ubiquitousness of Wi-Fi. Although, yeah, I think ubiquity is, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Wi-Fi. <laughs> I do the porky pig thing where I just skip it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um the the widespread nature of Wi-Fi all of a sudden where um, you don't have to be physically connected to something. That really advanced things. That's high speed. One. And then, like we already said, the cloud. Yeah. I think the cloud is the thing that really kind of allows it more than anything else. It's just if you had to have that kind of computing power right there in the sensor, then it just would be very limiting. You couldn't put it on just anything. And it would be a lot more expensive, too. These things that they're adding to to you know normal inanimate objects to make them smart are very cheap yeah to produce yeah they just need a few components they need computing hardware mm-hmm. uh, they need sensors they need communication hardware and then they need some sort of power source which you can get that from the machine itself that you plug in right, right. Uh, so like if it's a smart coffee maker it can draw power from the the plug that the coffee maker runs off of yeah and then it needs internet access which if you have a smart coffee maker, but you don't have internet at your house, you made a, a poor decision in your coffee maker purchase. Yeah, like pretty much everything comes with internet access at this point, right? In the Western world, for sure. Uh, the other thing we've kind of been talking about is um, your own devices in your home, but it just it, you don't have to be just hooked up to things that you own. You can hook up to other like system devices. Like, let's say your town has. Um, devices that monitor traffic conditions, mm-hmm. you can tap into that. I guess that's what Waze is, right? Or is that all self-reported? I looked up, and um, it seems to be all self-reported, but there's something called like Waze Citizen or something like that, uh-huh. and it it appears to be Waze trying to get smart cities to let them tap into their information. Like traffic cams and stuff like that? Yeah, and apparently that's already a thing. Like if you just leave your phone open or like the Bluetooth on, if uh-huh. you're driving through a smart city with um, traffic sensors, it it basically uses your phone's information while you're in traffic as real-time traffic information because your phone has something like a um, an accelerometer in it, so it knows how fast you're moving at any given point. And yeah. if it's giving that information to just a panel on the side of the street, that panel can put all that info together and be like, oh, Peachtree's like super backed up right now. Right. And then if Waze can get their hands on that information, they can send that out to their users. But for right now, Waze, as far as I know, is, is, it's a, it's a social app still. Right. It relies on its users to update conditions. Right. Which, by the way, Waze, I think, might be the best app of the 21st century so far. I didn't start using it. I had it on my phone for a while, but I never used it, uh, but have a little bit recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't like interact with it much. I'll just set it to tell me where to go. Right. Like I don't report accidents and things. Oh, you should. Does that mean I'm a bad user? I mean, you're, uh, you're, you're using like the, the, the efforts of other people without contributing. I mean, the point is, is for everybody to contribute. Right. It makes it more robust, but it's How not like they're going to show up at your house. Like safely. You pull over on the highway and well, report an accident. That's that's probably the one big thing about about ways is that like you're not supposed to be using it in that situation. Right. If you're the driver, you're supposed to be the passenger. But they're also it. kind of telling you to, you know. Well, I mean, there's a thing that when when it comes up uh-huh. or when you try to start, it'll say, say like, uh, "Are you a passenger?" Right. And they just assume that you're going to just be truthful about that. Yeah, that's like the websites that say, like, tell us you're 21 by clicking <laughs> right, here. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then welcome to the party. Yeah, and a 20-year-old's like, no, shoot, I yeah. can't click on this so thing. So close, two weeks. I'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> um, the other thing I was wondering, too, like, what if the lipstick, as an example, mm-hmm. what if they that's open uh, to where you can look at your app and say, like, well, no, this store's out of lipstick. Oh, that'd be cool. You know? Yeah. 
instead of having to call and talk to a dumb person. I know. It's awful. <laughs> Wait for them to go look with their eyes. Well, but, you know, I, I get it, though, because now the days you call and say, hey, I want to check and see if you have something in stock. And you usually met with, all right, yeah, hold on. <laughs> and not like, sure, I'd be happy to go check right. for you, sir. They're like, oh, man, I can't wait to get outsourced to a robot. Right. But then you get to the store and they don't have it in stock. And you're like, I called and asked someone. And they're like, who'd you talk to? There's no one by the name who works yeah, here. Sorry. And he's like got covering his name tag with his hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Chuck, speaking of smart cities, you know, traffic info is a big one. Sure. So is um, smart traffic lights. Which oh yeah, I wish these had been around starting when I was sixteen. Yeah, because there is there are a few things to me that are more of a waste of time than sitting at a traffic light when there's no traffic going through. Yeah, Decatur, where near where I live, is famous for its lights not being timed or trip mm. tripped or whatever. And, and you sit there forever. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Decatur does have really long lights, and yeah, they they don't even have the. We found out it's either a metal detector or a weight sensor. Yeah. That where there's like the lines that where they obviously cut out the, the, um, the hard top in front of you, uh-huh. in front of the light. If, if you don't even have that, that's a problem. But even those ones that have sensors don't always like do it immediately. This should be like, yeah, it should be a lot smarter than that. And that's part of you what's You sit there coming. revving your engine. You're that guy at the stoplight. <laughs> You know Decatur's motto when you drive in. It says Decatur. What's your hurry? Really? <laughs> no. But oh, it I, I could kind of see it actually. <laughs> Slow down, Decatur. What's with all the baby strollers? Could yeah. be another one. Off-road um, baby strollers. What? They have those big off-road like jogging baby strollers oh. with the huge tires. Yeah, them. I got one of those. Yeah, but that's you it. live in Decatur. Uh, well, no, I mean that, I don't really go off-road, but that's because the sidewalks in my neighborhood are awful. It's off-road. They're, they suck. Yeah, it is off-road. Might as well be. Like tree roots growing up everywhere, that kind of thing? Yeah. They're like, oh, this tree's never going to grow. Let's put a sidewalk up right next to it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, well, you're talking about smart cities. The other cool thing potentially that they could do, they might actually be doing this, is infrastructure, like embedding sensors into sidewalks. Uh, well, that's a good example, like a sidewalk that becomes cracked or broken or a bridge sure. that becomes weak in one point. Yep. They can send a signal and say, hey, maybe you should come check out this bridge. And then eventually they will send a signal to the robot sidewalk crew uh-huh. who will come out and right. repair the sidewalk and everything will look perfect all the time thanks to the robots. Right, but there's 40 robots and like 30 of them are just standing around <laughs> and 10 of them are working. <laughs> And where did they learn to smoke cigarettes? Yeah, this seems weird. Um, I used to get so rubbed at cigarette breaks because I didn't smoke. Uh, oh, yeah. And I was always like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go stand outside. And the boss would be like, you can't do that. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you could take a break, but cigarette breaks weren't even real breaks. Someone's yeah. just like, I need to smoke. Yeah. But you could never go, you know, I'm just going to go stand outside for five minutes. Right. Like, you have to be killing yourself to, to make that allowed. Yeah. No, I, that dawned on me when I was a smoker, too, that, like... That's when I was young and like, uh, you know, I was more angry back then. About justice. Yeah. So, again, we can sit here basically all day and talk about, you know, devices and applications for this kind of thing. Sure. But there's some hurdles that are coming up that need to be addressed um, pretty soon. And we'll talk about those right after this. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. 
Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! All right, Chuckers, we're back. Hurdles. So right now there's some immediate hurdles, including the idea that a lot of smart technology operates on using totally different languages, different yeah. protocols, different everything. Um, so that if you have a house full of different smart gadgets, you probably have an app for every single one of them yeah. rather than one integrated gap or app. And that's, that's a, it's not a hurdle like you can have that many apps. But the, the idea of it being seamlessly integrated into just one part of your phone right. would be great. And if they could talk to one another without you having to control it, right. you know, like your, um, your, your, the light sensor is on your light shade notices that uh, the sun's starting to go down, so it, it opens your blinds a little bit, right? Uh-huh. And when that happens, it, your your smart cantaloupe slicer knows that you like a, a slice of cantaloupe before dinner. Yeah. So it slices up the cantaloupe, and they're all talking to one another. So it's not like everything's on a timer and things happen at once. It's happening because one thing is sensing this, and it's relaying that information to the other devices in your house as, as well. That's not happening right now. Yeah, what I need is a... Uh... I need between 7 and 9 a.m., I need my toilet toilet to flush about every eight minutes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Man alive. That'd be my smart house. Or, or as soon as the coffee starts brewing, seven minutes later, the toilet flushes. That happens to you? <laughs> Coffee's good for that. It's great for that. But that's another thing that's coming very soon, too, smart toilets. I can tell you, like, oh, sure. you've got a lot of bilirubins in here. Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah. That's what it'll say. What's up with that? Uh, so basically what you're talking about is systems that aren't integrated because it's a bunch of different companies with all their own devices. Right. But there are uh, companies trying to come together to um, join up uh, with open source platforms. Uh, and one of them is created by Qualcomm called the All Scene Alliance, which is one of, like it sounds something like from a future horror movie. Yeah. That sounds really creepy. The All Seen Alliance. Right. Or Newspeak. Like, we might as, you might as well just say, like, we want a camera in every room of your home so we can all just talk to each other and make your life simpler. Mm-hmm. Just relax. Lay back. Apple's HomeKit. They yeah. always make it sound cute and not creepy, but it's probably creepier mm-hmm. than the All Seen Alliance. Yeah. A <laughs> bunch of people have one. Google has them. Samsung. There's one called Everything that's missing a couple vowels. Wink is a big one. Um, I've heard of Wink. It's a big one right now. Yeah. It can control some stuff like I think Philips Lights and it works with Nest maybe or something like that. It it does like two things, so it's like cutting edge right now. But um, as the author of this article, Bernadette Johnson, puts out, none are all-encompassing, which I saw that and I was like, Mitch Hedberg would have liked that sentence. None are all-encompassing. Yeah, he said he was like trying new words and... um, Rather than like totally, he said he was using totally too much. Uh-huh. They'd be like, Mitch, do you like s'mores? And he'd be like, all encompassingly. <laughs> so another hurdle um, that we are already getting around was um, uh, back in the 90s, we started to realize we were running out of IP addresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the standard IP address was the, uh, well, it, it still is in some ways, the... Uh, IPv4? Yes, IPv4. Yeah. And in the 90s, they got smart. It wasn't like the Y2K bug. We're like, oh, my gosh, things are going to be different in a month. Right. Uh, they got on this a while ago and created the IPv6 and started, uh, basically created uh, potentially 
what's the number? An undecillion number of at three hundred and forty undecillion addresses. That's so many. That is one with thirty six zeros behind it, and enough to give uh, IP addresses to everyone on the planet times ten to the twenty eighth power. <laughs> right. So basically, they said. We don't want to run out ever again. Well, the funny thing is, Chuck, is in 1981 when they came up with the IPv4, that came up with 4.295 billion possible addresses. They were like, no way we'll ever yeah, run out. They're like, that's, we're done. Yeah. And then what, within like 30, 30 years, yeah. 35 years, they started to really run out. And apparently there was a prediction that in 2015, we were going to straight up run out of IPv4 Internet addresses or IP addresses. Yeah. Um, and apparently that was a cliff we avoided, obviously, because that's still, we're still making things that have their own IP addresses. Oh, I thought they did run out. No, they used, they used different things to mitigate it, including this, uh, network address translation really kind of opened things up. And that's where a, um, a server identifies a network as a single IP address and then leaves it to the local network to decide where the information that's supposed to be going to one computer on the network goes. Right. See what I'm saying? But to the server, to the rest of the internet, that whole network, which can be a ton of computers, um, is just one IP address. So you just reduced it by that many computers that are on that local network. Gotcha. So that was a big one. But then also building um, new things on the IPv6 platform has helped mitigate it a little bit too. So I think it's a cliff that we came very close to but avoided going over. Well, it doesn't matter now because IPv6 is the new way forward. It is, but there's a lot of stuff still in use that's plenty good for the next couple of years. Yeah. That have like IPv4, IPv4 addresses that still need to like, they're like, me too. Well, that doesn't matter. They can, they're compatible now. Well, they're working to make them compatible, I think. They're already a long way down that road. Like, oh, yeah? They're using both seamlessly pretty much. Oh, okay, cool. Well, then um, there's we'll, a great wired. We'll saved. <laughs> well, I think so. There's a great Wired article about it. Uh, and they basically said at first they weren't entirely compatible. Uh, you had to have some sort of layer in between to make them basically be friends. Okay. And um, they're still working on it. It's not, like, finished. But uh, it said so far the transition has been pretty seamless. Like, you're using... You're interacting with IPv6 right now. And you don't even know it. Uh, yeah, I would assume like if you have something that was made in the last couple of years, it's probably IPv6. Yeah, that's what I would guess. Sure. So that's pretty neat. Undecillion. Didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't either. I had to look it up. It's like, what the heck is that? A typo? <laughs> right. On. So I, I don't think we can put it off any longer, Chuck. There's a lot of security and privacy concerns that crop up from. The, just the presence of the Internet of Things, right? If you have a bunch of sensors in your house collecting data and everything from, you know, how, how many times you toss and turn in your sleep. Right. To, um, you know, how many minutes the toilet needs to be flushed in intervals. Mm-hmm. To whether you're moving around your house or not, whether you're home. There's a lot of sensors in, in, even now, the, the standard home in the United States, um, that can, that are collecting data, and there's not a lot of regulation on what happens to that data, who has access to that data, how safe that data has to be, and um, it's just wide open for government surveillance, hackers, well, yeah. targeted ads. Yeah, I like, mean, if you're paranoid about government stuff, then this probably worries you. Hacking is a whole should. different can of worms. Like right. Everyone should worry about that. Yeah, I feel like everyone should worry about government surveillance as well. Big some, time. Some people, you know, think that's bunk. Well, government surveillance? Well, some people, yeah, sure. They're fools. Maybe Those so. People are utter fools. And the world is full of fools. That's crazy to me. Yeah. How could you not? I mean, like, there's there's testimony from the head of the NSA. There was Snowden re- re- releasing the prison files. Like, how could anyone just... Say, no, that's not the case anymore. Well, what you're saying is everyone should be as up on this as I am. And that's that's the foolish statement. If you went oh, and asked so 100 you're... people on the street today, I, see what you mean. I bet 50 of them would say, oh, that's just that's just conspiracy stuff. The I government see, wouldn't I see. do that. I see. I thought you were saying, like, people knew and, and they were saying, like, no, this isn't a real thing. No, I think I got you. most people probably have their head in the sand about okay. this stuff. Totally agree. I see what you mean. Yeah. I still think they're foolish. 
Well, sure. And, and sad because there's the one thing that would press security into the Internet of Things. Yeah. There isn't any right now. There's virtually none. Well, in. I mean, it's all got to be self-installed, uh, not by the person, but by the company. Right. Like, hey, we know you're probably worried, so we've done this, this, and this. Right, right. And the way that that will happen is if people say, ooh, that brand's not very secure, I'm going to go to their competitor, which is super secure. Or if they get sued. Sure. And that will cause brands to, yeah. which are self-regulating right now as far as security goes, to become more secure. But if people are unaware of it or just don't think that kind of stuff is going on, then there's not going to be any call for that. And they'll be able to continue to put sensors, sensors in our home, devices in our home yeah. that can eavesdrop on us, that um, can detect all sorts of different things about us without any thought for security whatsoever. Yeah. Well, they have a great example in here. And it's not just the Internet of Things. This is already happening. Um with uh, Target, his dad in 2012 oh, yeah. got uh, mad because his teenage daughter was getting baby ads targeted toward her. And he was like, why are you trying to get my teenage daughter to have a baby? Why do you keep sending her this stuff? Right. And he found out she was pregnant and was like, he actually apologized to them. But I still think like he had a beef because what I thought is they were just using her search uh information to target ads mm-hmm. like which is what goes on all the time right but she wasn't what target does is they have uh every customer every time you shop at target with a credit card you have a guest id number that says oh here's that credit card from josh clark again sure he's back in my store here's all the things that he's bought uh so let's target ads at him right. just simply by shopping there without using cash. Yeah. Which I didn't know that happened. Well, yeah, and it used to be you had to sign up for like a rewards program, like a Kroger card or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that I understand. You, you, it, it, this is the same thing without you opting into it. Right. You know? Yeah, it's just tracking your credit card. And um, I think it was New York Times. I read one article where eventually they quit talking to the New York Times, but he got a little information at mm-hmm. first. Uh and uh, he said he talked to a Target employee that said, here's a hypothetical example. Uh, let's say this: there's a girl in Atlanta shopping here. Uh, she buys cocoa butter lotion. She buys a big purse that could be a diaper bag. She buys magnesium supplements uh, and a bright blue rug. They might just surmise, hey, I bet this lady's pregnant. I mm-hmm. bet she's going to have a boy because mm-hmm. she's going to bl- uh, buy that bright blue rug. He's going to smell like cocoa butter. And yeah, and so you know what? I bet you she's due in August too, uh, determined to buy what she's purchasing. Right. So let's start bombarding her, uh, bombarding her with ads. Mm-hmm. And that just seems a little creepy. If you're not opting in with a, I mean, it's a little creepy anyway. If you get like the shopper's card. Yeah. You but kinda, you're, but you you're saying figure. like, sure, I'll take a little bit of a discount in exchange for you, yeah. you keeping track of my spending habits. Or you willingly check the box, terms and conditions, without reading it. Well, that's, I think terms and conditions should be a whole other episode, man. Yeah, there's the, a documentary about that. Yeah? That's, I think it's called Terms and Conditions Apply. Nice. And it's, maybe, but boy, it is creepy. Yeah. Because you know, nobody ever reads there. that stuff. No way. And they make it that long so that no one would. Yeah. But it's, yeah. And there's actually, and we read this uh, Guardian article. Did you check that out that I sent you? Yeah. So in the Guardian article, there's a mention of Samsung, which had, uh, they had terms and conditions for their TV. I think it was in 2014 or 15 that it came out. And it says in the terms and conditions for this, the TV that you bring into your home. Uh-huh. Please be aware that if your spoken words include personal or other sensitive information, that information will be among the data captured and transmitted to a third party through your use of voice recognition, which means your TV is listening to you and transmitting your conversations, or at the very least keywords from your conversations in your voice, Mm -hmm. to somebody else who can figure out how to target ads, who can put you on a government watch list, who can do anything, which means that you're talking normally in your own home and your TV's eavesdropping on you. Yeah, and, and you uh, you think you say that's okay, not you, but one says, oh, that's fine because I don't want to touch my remote. I just want to say, turn up volume. Right. You know? Yeah. I can't be bothered to use my finger. Fine so I'm getting spied Nicolas on. Cage movies, <laughs> comma, bad ones. He doesn't make bad movies. Dude. <laughs> I'm kidding. I used to love Andy Samberg's Nick Cage on SNL. 
I don't think I ever saw that one. So funny. I like Nick Cage's tiny Elvis. Oh yeah, that was good. He was, it was so bizarre. He's, I love Nicolas Cage because he's unabashed. He will do some really great mm-hmm. smaller movies where you're like, man, this dude is an amazing actor. Right. And then he'll do the worst garbage you can imagine for money. Yes. And just is like, yeah, I want to buy eight new motorcycles. But I think he's a great example of what a good director can do with an actor if they know what they're doing with them. Sure. Because he does virtually the same thing in all all movies. It's just how much more he's doing it and how much he's reined in or how good the script is. Yeah, he comes in, he's like, you want 20% cage or 80% cage? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're right. He has made some great movies, but man, he has made some bad ones. Wow. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, let's get back on track. There's one other thing, too. There's a big debate going on right now, Chuck, about whether your phone is eavesdropping on you right. for, at the very least, targeted ads. Mm-hmm. Again, if you think that your phone is not eavesdropping on you, you're you're deluding yourself. Yeah. Your phone, your TV, your uh, laptop, everything around you that is connected to the Internet and has a microphone and or a video camera is eavesdropping. Dropping on you. And you don't care, right? I do care. But I also have a feeling like... But you have a smartphone. What can I do? I know. Well, you could not have a smartphone. Uh, that's part of it. And there's there's a that's a big thing. There's a, there's a trade-off. It's yeah. like, okay, I want to be able to read Twitter every 30 seconds and just be like, wow, this is boring. And then do it again 30 seconds later. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm willing to trade that ability for the idea that, yeah, I'm being listened to in the, in the gamble that, well, I mean, I guess I'm not saying anything that important. Yeah. You know? But I mean, like, that's, that's, that's wrong. Like, that's wrong. Well, or the people say, like, well, if you don't have nothing to hide, then, you know, who that's, cares? That's a fallacy. That's a logical yeah. fallacy of that it is. a lot of, um, the people collecting that data bank on. Yeah. Absolutely. It has, it still has a chilling effect on, on society at large. And if they ever do want something on you, brother, they got it. Yep. And sister. Man, I'm sorry. I'm worked <laughs> up. I was, I, well, driving yeah, in get today, on my Chuck, smartphone and like, check Twitter. I'm going to, I'm going to be cool. No. No. Then that light didn't change green. <laughs> and it all went south. <laughs> it's a dumb traffic light. Uh, all right. So we talked a little bit about hackers. Um, and we're not just talking about stealing your information or tapping into your bank. Um, what about if you, if your, if your grandmother, who is a shut in, has this great new smart health system that is hooked up to her body mm-hmm. and alerts her doctor if something's wrong, she's low on meds. Uh, these are all great things. But right. what if someone can hack into that and tell, you know, and hack into grandma's systems where it doesn't alert? Then her life is literally at stake. Yeah. Or what if you have, and this has happened too. What if you go into your baby's room and your baby monitor, you hear some guy's voice on the other end yelling and screaming curse words? Yeah, in Russian, I think. That's happened, too. Yeah. That is... Your baby's just like, what's this guy's problem? Yeah. He usually tells me nice stories. <laughs> Where's Sergey? <laughs> I want Sergey back. It's all really creepy, man. You know uh, one of my heroes, Charles C. Mann? Who wrote yeah. 1491 and 1493? Well, I never heard of it. He also, he wrote an article in Vanity Fair called, Look Out, He's Got a Phone. And it was all about the ways that the Internet of Things could be hacked to, like, basically really threaten somebody. Like, if you got a smart pacemaker or a smart insulin pump, uh-huh. those things could be hacked. Yeah. You know, and that's a, that's a, something that we're going to have to deal with or we're dealing with now as it, as it stands. Well, one of the things that could help and what should be going on is these devices, at the very least, should be giving you options on how much data they get their hands on, how it's stored, mm-hmm. uh, and what the expiration date on that is. Like, if you quit using this device, they still have your information. Right. Um, and or, it might still be collecting it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Or, uh, one I didn't think about, when these systems are no longer supported, like, you know, the, the company shuts down or something, it needs to have a suicide uh, measure programmed in right. to where it, like, it kills itself after yeah. it's not supported anymore. Yeah. And it should do it gruesomely. <laughs> what about economics? Well, as you can imagine, if there's hundreds of billions of devices on the horizon being connected, it's going to have a pretty big economic impact. And they're talking about something on the order of, what was it? $4.3 trillion in value 
by 2024, up from 900 billion. It yeah. seems low to me. Yeah. You know, like think about just in cashew milk alone. Sure. It's a trillion dollars. Yeah. Well, it's also costing some companies. Um, How so? Well, if you've heard of Square, yeah, you probably pay for a lot of things with Square these days. It's a great thing because it allows a small business. Previously, there was only one way to make credit card transactions. Mm-hmm. You had to get a fairly expensive system that, uh, or a cash register, yeah, that uh, you know made it all possible. Right. And you had to, they kind of had you over a barrel a little bit. Then Square came along and said, no, you know what? You don't need that stuff. Let's democratize this. Yeah, we have the internet now. Here's some competition. All you need is this little thing to plug in yep. to your tablet, and you can swipe it right there in the cab or in the place of business mm-hmm. and avoid the middlemen and use uh, or use PayPal and basically skirt these companies that have kind of been ripping you off right? Um, as a business. And then that business passes the cost on to you as a customer. So in a way, oh yeah, or they're good. like, we don't take that credit card; their fees are too high, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but you're right; it's the democratization, mm-hmm. of which these is platforms. good. I mean, it's great; it's opened up a lot of, a lot. It's taken Etsy into the real world. That's right. You know, <laughs> and isn't that awesome? Well, yeah. Um, there's also worry that it could cost jobs, like you said. What if the lipstick um, stalker gets fired? Because um, he threw away all those orange tubes of lipstick, yeah, and he, he deserves it. He didn't do his job good enough. Um, well, that's it. Like this, I think this article kind of just kind of glosses over that issue, and it's a big issue in and of itself. I don't know, but I, I don't think it glossed over it so much as there's a, a school of thought, a very like prominent school of thought that says, no, that's not what happens. Yeah, it, it people get different jobs and learn new things, mm-hmm. and the one example they used in here, which I think makes sense. Is um, ATMs. Mm-hmm. ATMs popped up everywhere, and people are like, oh, well, there's not going to be any more bank tellers. No yeah. one needs to go to a bank. And Well, yeah, but they actually increased in number, right? Yeah, they did. Uh, and they think part of that reason is because banks could open more branches because they didn't need to staff it with 14 bankers. They just needed a couple. Yeah, but, but more branches meant ultimately more tellers. Yes. Just not in one place. The thing is, is I, I, I would be very curious to know whether that was an anomaly like that you know if if typically in an industry that gets replaced by a, a machine a good one like mm-hmm. an ATM works pretty well right um if they if they actually if jobs actually go up or if that was just like one of the very rare examples of it well i think it's it depends on your industry if you're one of the people that did that thing mm-hmm. you're like well i lost my job to a robot if you build the robots you're like i got a job because I'm now building robots. Right. And again, I think we talked about this. I don't remember in what episode, but if you are getting rid of an industry mm-hmm. and, and putting a lot of people out of their their employment, their yeah. careers, um, I, I'm not against automating stuff like that. Right. But I think part and parcel with that is to figure out a way to take those out-of-work people and tr- train them yeah. to go into new fields or just to... to um, build the stuff that's, that took, took over their jobs or whatever. But yeah. you can't just be like, best of luck. We figured out a way for a robot to do what you're doing. Right. Go, uh, go get hooked on Oxycontin and go die. Wait, we got a, what was that? Cause we got a great listener mail about that. Yeah. That's, that's what I was talking about. It Where was in reference amount, to that. A certain amount of people from this industry. It was a Kentucky coal, coal industry. Something like that were then cross trained to do computer work. Right. Uh, wasn't even that long ago, but I can't remember exactly what it was. But that's exactly what I mean. Like that's number one. That's a role of government, in my opinion. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the clear things that you can look at and be like, oh yeah, that's what government's for. They're supposed to invest in infrastructure and education to to um, keep people employed. Yeah, so that everyone can earn a decent wage. That's that's my soapbox. This has basically <laughs> been one long soapbox, hasn't it? Yeah, I don't think so. Well, it's the Internet of Things. There's literally nothing more to speak about it. Okay? No more. Uh, I'm just kidding. And if you want to know more about that kind of stuff, you should go check out our compadre John Strickland's podcast, Tech Stuff. I guarantee he talks about the Internet of Things every other week. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, if you want to know more about it in the meantime, you can look up this article on HowStuffWorks.com by typing Internet of Things on the search bar. 
And since I said uh, things, it's time for listener mail. No, sir. Oh, yeah. We already did listener mail. Well, that's right. But we have a bonus because now we're going to finish up with part two of... Oh, yeah. Administrative Details. Okay. All right. Again, if you're new to the show, this is when we thank people for the nice things they send us. Mm -hmm. And it goes a little something like this. (laughs) Uh, PETA, the organization, people for the ethical treatment of animals, they sent us a cat care package after our cat podcast. Oh, yeah. And I think probably partially because of my soapbox on declawing and uh, outdoor cats. They're like, this guy. Yeah, send him some cat stuff. Get him some cat stuff, (laughs) stat. So thanks for that. Put a cat in a box and mail it to him. <laughs> That's Peter's way. Uh, we got a um, postcard from China from Mary Kate Muller. Oh, wow. Thanks a lot for that, Mary Kate. We appreciate it. Beautiful. Uh, Lisa of Black Bow Sweets sent us some candied pecans. Dude, those are dangerous. Oh, yeah? They did not last long in the Clark house? No. Almost didn't make it on the ride home. <laughs> I had to be like, I will yeah, stop. Well, well. Yeah. Man, they are good. Uh, Aaron Supple sent us the bottle of Sonoma County Distilling Company's West of Kentucky Bourbon Number no. 1. I haven't tried it yet. Is it good? I have not tried it yet either, but I'm very much looking forward to it. So thanks a lot, Aaron. Uh, and speaking of whiskey, uh, 33 Books, Dave from 33 Books, mm-hmm. sent us a whiskey tasting set. Yeah. Which is a little... Uh, I think imported from Ireland, even a little whiskey tasting glass. Yep, a book for notes. Uh huh, and a pen, even. Yeah, it's everything you need. Everything you need to taste whiskey. So thanks, Dave, for that. Um, we got a postcard from Caitlin and her fiance from the Mayo Clinic. Remember the Helen Branch uh, mention, and I think like uh, I think some unsolved mysteries. Weird. The episode on unsolved mysteries. A long time ago. Yeah, but we uh, got a Mayo Clinic postcard. Huh. Yeah, why not? Uh, Robin and Aaron sent us some uh, coasters, some Detroit coasters. They, oh, yeah? They know even though we poke fun of Detroit, we secretly love Detroit. Yeah, thanks a lot. So dude. thanks, Robin and Aaron, for that. Uh, Mark Singleton over at Rudolph Foods sent us a ton of pork rinds and oh, yeah. a bunch of great gear to go with it. So we can wear a camouflage hat uh-huh. while we eat our pork rinds. Right, as it should be. Mm-hmm. Sam Meckling of Jepson's Malort of Chicago. Oh, yeah. Sent us bottles of Malort. And if you've never heard of Malort, it is uh, Chicago's own special uh, liqueur. It's something. It is. It's um, known for its uh, harsh aftertaste. (laughs) I guess guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah, the great thing about Malort, though, is they know the deal. They're not like... This is so delicious, you're just never going to have anything better in They're your like, mouth. <laughs> Here, you seem to be having a good day. Let's change that. Um, yeah, but Malort actually have gotten, <laughs> this is the best thing you can say, I've gotten used to it. Nice. And um, it's an interesting taste. You should try it out. Well, thanks to the dudes who sent us that. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank it. you, Sam. Um, speaking of booze, uh, I think we mentioned it the other day, but also, again, thank you to the people at Spring 44, which is a Colorado distillery for the Old Tom Gin that they sent us. It's yeah, that was... Just beautiful stuff. Yeah, and actually just ran out. Yeah. So... Just FYI. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Uh, Badger Body uh, body Products, um, a competitor of my own wife, even. That was Dave who sent us those. Dave from Badger Body Products? Mm-hmm. Uh, from out of New Hampshire, sent us shaving stuff and sunscreen mm-hmm. and beard oils and such. Yep, that was Dave Morrell. He was the beer guy. Yeah, he worked at Sweetwater. Yeah. So he's, he used to bring a Sweetwater. He's a great guy. And like all beer guys, he ended up in New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, but Emily, actually, uh, my own wife, who has her natural body uh, product company, went, and she usually poo-poos because people say they're natural and aren't. Right. She went, oh, she's like, Badger's good, actually. Yeah. She's like, they make good stuff. Yeah. So I use their beard oil now. Well, thanks a lot, Dave. Yeah, I've been using the, um, the uh, they have a bug repellent sunblock that works, smells awesome. Yeah. It smells like citronella. It works like a charm. So thank you for that. Uh, pie Lady and Son. Oh, yeah. Out of New York. They sent us pie. Dude. And they were just getting started with their shipping program. And Pie Lady and Son, I have to tell you, it worked great. They showed up fresh and delicious. Yep. And by delicious, I mean really, really delicious. Yeah, thanks a lot for that, guys. Yeah, so you can support them as well. Pie Lady and Son out of 
New York City. Um, Zach Detmore sent us some beautiful cherry, walnut, and maple wood boxes. Those are great, Zach. Yeah. Thank you. Got mine on my desk. Yep. Same here. Uh, Matt Dent uh, sent us his, he's a, he's a comic strip guy who's created the Willie Who comics. Uh-huh. Been around for 25 years. I know. I saw that book. It's amazing. Yeah, he sent us a big collection, yep. the collector's edition. Congratulations, Matt. And Chuck, somebody uh, made us a longboard that I've got. Yeah. Stuff you should know longboard. It's amazing. I don't know. We lost the correspondence. We don't know who made it. Yeah, so if you made it, send that in and we'll read your name. Yeah, we'll re-thank you, but thank you very much for the longboard. Uh, our buddy, uh, butter. Our buddy, Tyler Murphy. He's our butter. He is our butter. Our bread and butter. <laughs> uh, from South Dakota sent us um, Instant Empire shirts and records. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Thanks, Tyler. And I just realized that Tyler's emails have been going to my spam folder. So I emailed them today because <laughs> I never look in there. And I happened to for something else. Uh-huh. And I saw a bunch of emails from Tyler. I'm like, dude, so sorry. Yeah. Um, Hillary uh, Lozar and Mike. Dude. I don't know if Mike's a Lozar or not. Who knows? But uh, Hillary and Mike have been with us for years. They are also from the Dakotas. And travel to see our shows in Seattle, and they're wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Hillary's a teacher, and they, as always, sent us delicious, delicious Flathead Lake cheese. Dude, that is the best cheese on the planet, I think. Gouda's. You got better cheese than Flathead Lake? Send it in. Let us be the judge. Exactly. Uh, Rachel Stone, who is an artist from Australia's East Coast, she has a site called landofwonderful.com. She sent us a lovely handmade card and letter, so thanks a lot, Rachel. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, you got any more? Nope. Last one, uh, Emily and the crew at Kickapoo Joy Drinks. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have their Kickapoo Joy Juice in their Atlanta base, and they make all-natural drinks. Juice. Juices and sodas and things. Kickapoo Juice. And uh, they sent us a box, and that was super nice. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks to everybody who sent us stuff. We appreciate it every time, so thank you. Uh, if you want to hang out with us on social media, you can go to SYSK Podcast. On Instagram and Twitter, you can go to facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.